then there's a deadline. And we said our deadline is really simple, today, right? Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Now is the appointed hour. And we, we said it this way last Sunday. We said that every day is somebody's last day to accept Jesus. I preached a funeral yesterday, and I'm going to preach a funeral this coming Saturday, and the reality is that every day is somebody's last day to accept Jesus Christ. So every day is our day of opportunity to share Jesus with people. And we were really uh, kind of very honest with each other last Sunday. We said it's impossible for us to do everything and to reach everybody, but we can do something and we can reach somebody. Amen? Every one of us in this room can do something and we can reach somebody every single day of our lives. So we want to begin to live on mission with a mission mindset that says every day I need to do something to help somebody connect their heart and their life to God, because we said our goal is not to convert people, our goal is to connect people into a personal, intimate relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So if you think about it, we get the honor and the privilege of introducing people to Jesus Christ. What a joy and what an honor that is. We talked about that every mission not only has a goal and a deadline, but it has a team. And we talked about we are the body of Christ, and we're all on the same team, right? We're working together to see the advancement of the gospel, to see people connect their hearts and their lives to God. And not only are we working together, but we also recognize we're working with God. And we said the key to the supernatural is that we would begin to connect our hearts to God's mission, right? Because I don't need supernatural power to build my kingdom. I need supernatural power to build God's kingdom. And when I start doing what God has called us to do and I begin to partner with God in building his kingdom and accomplishing his mission, guess what happens? God shows up and God shows out. People are healed, people are delivered, people are saved by simply partnering with God in the work of the ministry to see people come to know him in a very personal, intimate, powerful way. Way. And then we said we have a strategy. And if you look at that next point, we're going to kind of talk about today our strategy. We said our strategy is really simple, right? We said we are going to simply bless the world, right? That's our strategy. Our strategy, we are going to bless our world with Jesus. We're going to bless our world with Jesus Christ. Because if you're here today and you're a Christian, then you know above all things that you've ever experienced or received, the greatest blessing you have ever received in your life is Jesus Christ. When you came to know God through His Son, Jesus Christ, everything changed because He's the game changer. Amen? And when we met Jesus, He made the greatest difference. He is the greatest blessing we have ever made. So if that's the greatest blessing we've ever enjoyed, then that's the greatest blessing we can ever share. And so we're just going to simply bless our world. Why? Because we are blessed to be a blessing. Look in Genesis chapter 12 with me. The Bible says, and the Lord God said to Abram, who would later become Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. And look at verse 2. And I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make you famous. Some pretty awesome promises right there. God says, I'm going to make you great, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make you famous. But he doesn't stop there. I want you to see this. And then look what he says, and you will be a blessing to others. And I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families on earth will be blessed through you. God's strategy is really simple. In the genesis of time, God said, the way I'm going to save the world is I'm going to bless a man. 
I'm going to bless Abram, who has later become Abraham, and through Abraham I'm going to bless all the families on the earth. How many of you recognize today that when you accepted Christ and you received the blessing of God on your life through a personal relationship with God through Jesus, that you were blessed to become a catalyst of change that would take that blessing to other people? You are blessed to be a blessing. When you got saved, you were saved to be a blessing. When you got delivered, you were delivered to be a blessing. When you got redeemed and rescued, you were redeemed and rescued to be a blessing, right? Everything that God has done in you and for you, God has done so he can work through you that same blessing to other people. And I want to just reiterate this morning, we are blessed to be a blessing. We are not blessed to be blessed. The mission and goal that God has for our life is not to bless you just so you can be blessed. And I can prove it to you. If God's goal and God's mission was simply to bless you so you could be blessed, then when God saved you, he would kill you and take you to heaven. Because <laughs> how many of you understand the greatest blessing on earth doesn't compare to the blessing of heaven? If God just wanted you to be blessed then when God saved you, he would have took you to heaven where you could be blessed. But God didn't save you and take you. God saved you and left you, right? So he could bless you and that you and I could be a blessing to other people. As I was studying this, I was reminded of a story uh, that I heard years ago, and it kind of goes like this. A man early in his life got saved, accepted Jesus Christ, but as he came into adulthood, he became consumed with accumulating wealth. And so he spent his whole life building his kingdom instead of God's kingdom. And he accumulated great wealth and great wealth and great wealth his entire life, and one day he died. And on the day of his death, he entered into the gates of heaven, and he came to, to the pearly gate, and there was St. Peter there waiting to meet him. And the guy walked up to the gate, and he walked up to St. Peter, and he said, St. Peter, he said, I am so thankful for Jesus. I am so glad I came to a place of saving grace through faith in Jesus Christ. He said, and I realized I probably wasted most of my life pursuing and chasing wealth. He said, but you know what? I've spent my whole life accumulating wealth. And I can't stand the thought that I'm going to go into eternity and have to leave everything that I worked so hard for behind. He said, is there anything you can do to help me? And St. Peter says, well, to be honest with you, this is kind of not normal protocol. But he reached down behind the desk and he pulled out this suitcase. He said, I'm going to give you this suitcase. He said, I'm going to give you one hour to go back to earth and anything you can put in this suitcase, you can bring back with you to heaven and you can take it with you into eternity. Guy was super excited, and an hour later, he comes dragging this suitcase, barely able to get it off the ground, and he gets to the desk, and St. Peter says, well, I can't wait to see this. He said, I can't wait to see what was so wonderful, what was so amazing, what was so spectacular that you could not stand to spend eternity without it. And he flops the suitcase up on the desk, and he opens it up, and it's filled with gold bars. Gold bars from one end to the other. Just one gold bar on top of another gold bar on top of another gold bar. And St. Peter looks at it and he says, Pavement? You went back to earth to get pavement? Because the streets in heaven are paved with gold. Think about it. God help us that we don't live for pavement. God help us that we don't live for the wealth of this world and recognize there is a blessing in heaven that is greater than anything we ever imagined. 
And may we, the church, never be so deceived into thinking that God has blessed us to be blessed. No, God hasn't blessed you to be blessed. You're working for pavement. God's got streets of gold in heaven waiting for us. God hasn't blessed you to be blessed because the blessing of earth is nothing compared to the blessing of heaven. God has blessed you to be a blessing to other people. And today that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how do we bless our world with Jesus Christ and how do we live for something more than pavement. Amen? So let's talk about it. We, we shared this last week. We said we're going to take the word bless, right? The letter B, we're going to begin with prayer. The letter L, we're going to listen with care. We're going to talk about those two things today. We're going to eat together and serve with love. We're going to talk about those two things next week. And then the last thing we're going to talk about in a couple weeks is we're going to talk about how do we share our story. So we're going to bless our world with Jesus Christ. So let's look at that first letter, B. We're going to begin with prayer. How many know prayer changes everything? We're going to begin with prayer, we're going to continue to pray, and then we're going to keep on praying. Amen? Because prayer changes everything. And the fact that you're sitting here today, hopefully sitting here as a child of God, you're sitting here today as a child of God because somewhere along the line, somebody prayed for you. Do y'all realize that? We're all here today because somebody prayed for you. So we're going to begin with prayer. Now, I gave you a challenge last week, and in your bulletin, you should have got another one of these little bookmarks. I hope you got one last week. If you didn't, hopefully you'll get one today. And I gave you a challenge, and that's where we're going to start at. So we're going to pray that God will show us three people in our circle of influence that need to connect to God, and we're going to pray for someone who could partner with us in reaching those people for Jesus. So we're going to begin with prayer. And the first prayer we're going to pray, I told you to pray it last week. We're going to ask God to show us three people in our circle of influence. And then God show us maybe somebody else that's a Christian that could partner with us in helping to reach out, not to convert, but to connect that person into a real relationship with God. Now I'm just going to go ahead and kind of share with you my three people because I want to kind of just talk a little bit about that today. Um, the longer you've been saved, seemingly the smaller your little circle gets of people that don't know Jesus, right? And so I had a little head start on you guys, so I've been praying for a few weeks asking God, Lord, who are, who are the three people that you want me to reach out to to help connect to Christ? And the first person the Lord showed me uh, was an individual that I know really well, and, and this person has what I would call a casual Christianity. And so they've been saved. They believe and they've accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but they really are operating off of what I would call a casual Christianity. And the Lord said, Keith, I want you to bless them and help them to connect to me at a deeper level. The second person the Lord showed me was an individual who at one time in his life was serving God passionately, fervently, and wholeheartedly. But because of hurts, because of circumstances and situations in his life, he is now out of church and totally disconnected from the purpose and plan that God has for him. And the Lord showed me that guy, and he said, Keith, I want you to bless that man and help him reconnect to the purpose and the plan that I have for his life. And then the third person was a guy that, I mean, on my circle of influence, he is on the outer rim. I mean, this is a guy, I know his name, he knows my name, and that's about it. I mean, we, we barely know each other in any, any form or any fashion. And the Lord a few weeks ago showed me this guy. He said, this is the one guy, this is a guy I want you to reach. He's the third person. 
And this guy, to my knowledge, doesn't know Jesus at all. And, and as, I, as the Lord showed me this guy, I began to kind of argue with the Lord. Y'all ever argue with God? And I began to tell the Lord, you know, God, I don't really know him at all. It's going to be really awkward and weird because, I mean, we don't have really just other than a hey, how you doing kind of relationship. I hadn't seen him in three or maybe even six months. But the Lord just kept putting him on my heart. So I kept praying. I even talked to Kelly about it this week, and I said, you know, I'm just, the Lord's put this guy on my heart, I'm just not sure. I'm trying to figure out how in the world am I going to ever reach this guy. I don't even really have a relationship with him. I mean, he's so far out there as far as relationship, I, I don't even know what I'm going to do. So I've been praying about it, and, and uh, so yesterday I'm up here. I'm doing a funeral for another family that's connected to our church yesterday, and I'm out in the front foyer, and guess who walks to the doors of our church? <laughs> that guy. <laughs> And he said, hey, I'm here for D.K. Mitchell's funeral. I said, well, you're about a week early. But he was right on time for me. <laughs> and the Lord said, Keith, there he is. Okay, this ain't going to be as hard as you think it is. Just let me do some stuff. So I shared that to say this to you today. I understand you may not know the three people in your circle may not be three people that are just totally lost and don't know God. I've got a little bit of everybody. I've got somebody that knows the Lord that needs a deeper walk with God. I've got somebody that one time was serving God and needs to reconnect to God. And I've got somebody that don't know the Lord at all. And so I don't know who the three people are that God's going to show you, but I know this. If you will be obedient, God will do an amazing work. And if you won't casually blow this off, if you'll really embrace it. And what's funny is you start talking about let's reach three people for Christ. People kind of get real spiritual, and they say, well, you know, Pastor Keith, there's thousands of people that need Jesus. You're right. Why don't we start with three? Because let me ask you a question. Last year, did you connect three people to Christ? The year before that, did you connect three people to Christ? The year before that, did you connect three people to Christ? See, the truth is most of us really aren't connecting people to Christ. We're doing our Christian thing and walking our circles. And the reality is, is if we would just get on purpose about saying, you know what, if this year, 2019, I could personally help to connect three people into a growing, life-giving relationship with Jesus. You know what we would, we would call that? We would call that revival. <laughs> We would say there won't be enough buildings that we can build to house the people that will come to know Jesus. So I really want to encourage you. Let's get serious about it. Let's say, God, I want three. Maybe God will show you 30, but let's start with three. God, give me three people that I can connect to Christ, that I can help introduce them at least to a deeper relationship, if not an initial relationship, so they can know you as their Lord and Savior. So let's begin with prayer. The second thing we're going to do, I want you to look at that next point. Is once you get your three people, or maybe you got two people, maybe you got one people, just start wherever you are, okay? If you've only got one person, don't say, I don't have three, I can't do anything. No, you've got one, start with one. But this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray three prayers for three people every day. Three for three is what I want to call it. Three prayers for three people. Now, again, you can pray 30 prayers, you can pray 300 prayers, but I'm going to give you three specific prayers, and it's actually on the back of this little bookmark, three specific prayers that I believe you can pray that God will use supernaturally and mightily to bring those people to a personal, intimate relationship with God. So here they are. The first one is that we're going to pray for the drawing and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The drawing and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 6, verse 44, Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. 
And in John 16, verse 8, Jesus said, When he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. I believe the first prayer we need to pray for people when we're trying to help them connect to God through Christ is that we need to pray for the drawing and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you why. Because Jesus said, no man can come to me unless the Father who sent me draw them. So I want you to recognize something. Salvation is not an intellectual decision. Salvation is a spiritual decision. It's not an, you don't come to Christ because you know enough. There are a lot of people that know the Bible a whole lot better than me and you, and they're going to hell. There are some agnostics and some atheists that are students of the Bible in order to disprove the God of the Bible. You don't come to God because you know enough. It's not an intellectual decision. Now, that doesn't mean God doesn't work intellectually. It's just not an intellectual decision. It is a spiritual decision that happens as the result of the drawing and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. If there is no drawing and there is no conviction of the Holy Spirit, there is no salvation. You can pray a prayer intellectually, but until you pray a prayer spiritually, prompted and drawn by the Holy Spirit, nothing of eternal fruit will happen. And we've all seen it. We've all seen little kids pray a little prayer and teenagers pray a little prayer because my friend was praying it or somebody else was praying it or I didn't want to go to hell. Right? That I didn't want to go to hell kind of motivates a lot of people sometimes because <laughs> I don't want to go to hell. But how many of you understand, it's not an intellectual decision that I make because I don't want to go to hell. It's a spiritual decision I make because the Holy Spirit draws me and convicts me of my sin. And I realize I'm a sinner and I need a Savior and Jesus is the only way to be saved. And apart from the drawing and conviction of the Holy Spirit, there is no salvation, there is no transformation, and there is no eternal life. So I believe the first prayer that we pray when we begin to pray for people to connect to God is for the drawing and conviction of the Holy Spirit. And here's the good news. If you're praying for the drawing and conviction of the Holy Spirit, you don't have to convict or draw them. The Holy Spirit will. And you don't have to be the Holy Spirit. That's a lot of work. You ever try to make people feel bad for their sins? You know, it's called guilt and shame. And we'll guilt and shame our family. We may not do it to strangers, but people that are close to us, we'll tell them how sorry they are, hoping they'll repent. And I mean, you know, it really just don't work. It's not outward remorse. It's inward conviction that brings the turning of a heart back to God. So we begin. We're going to pray. God, just draw them to you and convict them by the Holy Spirit of those things in their life that are keeping them from you. The second prayer we're going to pray is that we're going to pray, look at this, for their eyes to be open to the truth. In Acts 26, verse 18, God is speaking to the apostle Paul, and he's telling Paul how he's going to use him. And this is what he says. I'm going to use you, he says, Paul, to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. 
And then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. Now look at 2 Corinthians 4. For if the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Look at verse 4. For Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Satan, the God of this world, the Bible says, has blinded the minds of those who believe, and they are unable to see the glorious light of the gospel that brings them to Christ. So we're going to pray not only for the drawing and conviction of the Holy Spirit, we're going to pray that God would open their eyes to truth. It is amazing how deceived people are. If you don't believe believe me about the level of deception, deception that's in our world, just scroll through Facebook. It is astounding how deceived people are. It is astounding how people can call evil good and good evil. Why? Because the Bible says Satan, the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. And they are unable to see the glorious light of the gospel and understand the image and nature of who Jesus is. So we pray that God would open their eyes to the truth so that they would see the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth of their own sin, and the truth of the gospel that will set them free and bring them into the glorious life that God has for them. How many of you recognize if you're here today and you're saved, somewhere along the line your eyes were open to truth? And you begin to see the truth, not as you interpret it, but as God interprets it. And all of a sudden, everything began to change. The third prayer we're going to pray is we're going to pray for a heart that believes and accepts Jesus as Lord. John chapter 1 says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, speaking of Jesus, he gave the right to become the children of God. And they are reborn, born again, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. We're going to pray for a heart that believes and a heart that accepts Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Why? Because we live in Arab, Alabama, and you're hard-pressed to find somebody in the South that doesn't believe in God. But how many of you know not everybody that believes in God has accepted Him as their Lord and Savior? The Bible says the demons believe and tremble. The devil believes that Jesus is the Son of God. The devil believes he was crucified and raised on the third day. The devil believes he's seated at the right hand of God the Father, ever living to intercede for us. He believes all that. He just hadn't accepted him as Lord. And so as we pray for these people that we're trying to connect to God, we're praying for the drawing and conviction of the Holy Spirit. We're praying for their, heart, for their eyes to be open to the truth, and then we're praying that God would give them a heart that not only believes that Jesus is who he says he is, but that accepts him as their Lord and their Savior, willing to surrender their life to His Lordship. And that's a pretty awesome thing. Amen? So, we're going to bless. We're going to begin with prayer. The letter L, we're going to listen with care. And I put in parentheses, we're going to listen carefully. And this is what I found out about, uh, about me. Let me just say that. Most of us as people love to be heard, but don't always want to hear what other people have to say. A lot of times we will listen for the sake of looking for an opportunity to speak. <laughs> you ever been in one of those conversations, maybe with your spouse or a close friend, and uh, it seems like they were just waiting on you to take a breath so they could interject what they were thinking? 
And in reality, they really weren't listening to what you had to say. They were just listening for an opportunity to say what they wanted to say because most of us don't want to hear. Most of us want to be heard. And so learning to listen is huge. This is a big deal. And I'm a preacher, guys, so I use a lot of words. And Kelly could tell you I talk a lot. And so this is a big deal because this is really going to be the key that's going to unlock a whole lot of things as we begin to minister to the people that we're praying for. So we want to listen with care. We want to listen carefully. So look at that first point. So when we listen, a couple things happen. When we listen, number one, their words, the people we're praying for, their words will reveal the condition of their heart. Their words will reveal the condition of their heart. Look what Jesus said in Luke 6, 45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. So we want to listen with care because their words will reveal the condition of their heart. We don't want to hear their words, listen to me, we want to hear their heart. We don't want to hear their words, we want to hear their heart. About six, seven months ago, there was a guy that, that Kelly and I have been praying for for a long time, and, and the Lord just said, Keith, listen to him. Listen to him. And when I begin to listen, not to his words, but I begin to listen to his heart, this is what I begin to hear. I begin to hear loneliness. I begin to hear brokenness. I begin to hear the fears and the anxieties that tormented his heart. I begin to hear his heart. And this is what the Lord showed me. He said, Keith, when you start to hear their heart, you'll start to see their soul in a whole new light. See, until you hear their heart, you know what will happen? If you just hear their words, you'll hear them griping and complaining and grumbling and being negative. And if you're not careful, you'll look at that negative person and you'll say, I don't want to be around them because they're negative. But when you hear their heart, you actually recognize that their words of negativity are actually an expression of fear. Their heart is full of anxiety and worry and fear. And when I hear their heart, instead of seeing them as a negative person that I need to avoid, I will see them as a fearful person that I need to draw near to because I've heard their heart. You hear that critical tongue. You're like, man, I don't want to be around them. They're so critical and judgmental. And then you hear their heart. And you hear the brokenness and the bitterness and the anguish and the pain that fills their soul. And all of a sudden you start looking at them not as a critical person that you want to avoid, but as a broken person that God wants to heal. All because you decided to listen to their words and hear their heart. And the second thing that will begin to happen, once you begin to listen, really listen with care and listen carefully, not the words of their mouth, but to hear their heart coming out of their mouth, all of a sudden what will happen is you'll look at that next point. When we listen, not only will we hear their heart, but the Holy Spirit will reveal the key that unlocks their heart. Years ago, we were partnering with a mission team that was going to Peru. And the mission team asked us to pray for them, and this is how they asked us to pray for them. They said, would you please pray for us that God would show us the key to the city? 
And I said, what do you mean the key to the seed? They said, well, we've recognized now through doing years of ministry and mission work that every city has a key that, you can, that unlocks the door for the gospel to come into that city. And they said, so would you please pray for us that God would show us the key to that city that would unlock it for the gospel. And immediately, this was years ago, immediately the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, Keith, just as there's a key that unlocks every city to the gospel, there's a key that unlocks every heart to the gospel. And when we listen, not only will we hear their heart, but we will hear the Holy Spirit. And he'll begin to show us the key to their heart. I can't, can't tell you how many times I've been counseling or meeting with somebody and how many times I've been in a meeting with an angry man who's beating and banging his fist on a desk full of anger and full of rage and you say one word from the Holy Spirit and that one word from the Holy Spirit breaks that angry man and he goes from beating the desk in anger to holding his face with tears running down his face, puddling on the ground, weeping in brokenness. Why? Because God revealed the key to his heart. I can't tell you how many times I've seen a simple act of love and compassion break down the walls in a person's life. They had kept the world like this. And all of a sudden, somebody says something or does something, and the walls come crumbling down. Where does that come from? It comes from listening. Listening to their heart and listening to the whispers of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will show us the key that unlocks their heart. I love Hebrews Chapter 4, verse 13, just a great little scripture. It says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. God not only sees their heart, he sees the key to their heart. And if we'll listen, not only will we hear their heart, we'll hear the Holy Spirit share the key to their heart. And it may be a way to pray for them that you've never prayed for them before. It may be a way to love them that you've never loved them before. It may be a way to share your story that you've never shared your story before. But he'll show you the key if you'll just listen. I want to give you two more scriptures. First, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, that new King James Version, if you will, guys. It's the last scripture, I believe. I love what the Bible says here. It says, The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God loves people. And God loves me, and God loves you, and God loves the people that don't know Him yet. And He wants them to know Him. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. It's not on the screen, but I want to read it to you. I want to close with this today. It says, as God's partners, we beg you, do not accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. Don't accept the amazing grace of God that he has for you and then ignore what God wants to do through you for somebody else. Don't accept his kindness 
and then ignore that same kindness that he wants to give to other people. Because God has blessed you and me to be a blessing. So how do we bless our world? We begin with prayer, and we listen with care. Let's just bow our heads today. I want to challenge you today as a believer in Jesus Christ. Don't ignore his kindness. Don't take what God has given to you and let it stop with you. Be a vessel through which it flows. Be a blessing to other people. Recognize that God hasn't blessed you to bless you. God has blessed you so you can be a blessing to others. Don't ignore his wonderful kindness. But let's grab hold of what God has done in us. And let's allow God to do that same thing through us. As we begin to pray, and as we begin to listen with care to the hearts and the whispers of the Holy Spirit. So, Father, today as believers, we commit ourselves to your mission. God, give us a mission mindset. Let us refuse to just build our kingdom and labor for pavement. God, let us build your kingdom and labor for souls. God, let us live our lives in such a way that other people know and grow in their relationship with you. So, Lord, stir us up today. Give us a mission mindset that refuses to go away. And Father, I pray right now for every person that's here today that doesn't know you. I thank you for the drawing and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I thank you that right now you're talking to them. And God, that they know that they need you today. I thank you that they recognize, Lord, as they were sitting, sitting, sitting here this morning, that this is not an intellectual decision, this is a spiritual decision. And that you're calling them right now to make that decision. So if that's you this morning and you're here today and you know you've never truly trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've believed in him but never really accepted him as your Lord. The Bible says today is a day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. And if God's talking to you right now, and I know that he is, I want you just to stand to your feet all over this building, a simple act of faith, and say, Pastor Keith, today I want to accept Jesus as my Lord. I believe, and now I want to accept him as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, I want you just to stand. Just a simple act of faith, but I want you to stand up today and today say, today I want to accept him. He's talking to me right now. My heart is racing. My mind is filled. And God is speaking to you. He's drawing you to himself. This is your moment. This is your day. Well, Pastor Keith, why do I have to stand up? Because the Bible says if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father and his angels. But if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father and his angels. It's a personal decision, but it's not a private decision. It's a public declaration that says Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. We're about to close in prayer, but if this is you, I want you to stand right now. Don't miss this moment. Don't miss this moment. Amen. 
Father, we thank you today for the saving grace of Jesus Christ. We thank you for drawing and convicting our hearts of our need for you. And we thank you for loving us enough to send your son to die in our place. So Lord, I pray that today you would fill us with that mission mindset and you would stir us up, Father, to help others know you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise this morning. Amen.